Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. There is a struggle in this world, Christians war between being attached to this world and longing for our heavenly home. Today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that loss is always hard, even loss of a wicked and dying world. Let's put our trust in God's timing and the fact that He's preparing a place for us away from all this heartache. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on January 9th. 2022. What follows, in no particular order, is a list that I created. Spent quite a bit of time on it, prayerfully, carefully. It's a list of what would need to happen, not just need to happen, but need to happen immediately, like right now, if there is to be any hope for and in this world. So let's go through this, and can we just kind of reason together through this? Was that a yes? (laughs) I wasn't quite sure on that. Some of you were saying, I don't know, why don't you start and I'll get back to you. Okay. Number one, any and all injections would have to stop now, worldwide, now. Also, (laughs) masks would no longer, I'm going to say be required, but I'll take it further and say be worn. You would not see any more masks being worn. That's number one. Number two, those who have had an injection would need to stop having adverse events, like right now that would need to completely stop. Number three, how are we doing so far? Well, it gets worse, so. Any and all of the satanic evil agendas perpetrated on the world's population would need to end immediately. Wait, you mean there's more? Oh, (laughs) there's more satanic evil agendas? You have no idea they would need to end immediately. Number four, people would have to cease from dying by the tens of thousands. And by the way, when I say tens of thousands, it could be argued that that is conservative by some estimates. People would just need to, right now, stop dying from this injection. Number five, the global economy and supply chain would have to be instantly restored. 
Because see, right now, uh, there's nothing really in the pipeline, so to speak. And if you were somehow able to instantly restore the supply chain now, you've still got a window of time, downtime maybe better said, before it starts replenishing that which heretofore by design, by the way, has been depleted and disrupted by design. Number six, I have 98 of these, so no, (laughs) there's 10. I probably should have told you that before. There's only 10. We're halfway through, so hang in there. There could be 98, actually. Number six, there would have to be an admission of a massive deception on a global scale. Number seven, and this one is a biggie. They're all biggies, but this one hits a little bit closer to home in a heartbreaking way. All businesses, and especially churches, would need to reopen now and never, ever, ever, ever shut their doors again. Ever. I'm sorry. Number eight. The world's laborers would need to go back to their employment immediately. And number nine, the hospitals would have to actually start treating the sick and stop killing them for money. I have to speak the truth. And number 10, the world would need to somehow recover with a modicum of normalcy swiftly. That's my list. I mean, it's not exhaustive, obviously. Certainly, much could be added to it. But can I just ask you a question, and this is not rhetorical, I genuinely want to ask you this question. Does what I just read, this list of ten, does that in any way seem reasonable to you? Is this list of ten that I just read, does that seem absurd to you, that that is what would need to happen? Maybe I should repose the question this way. Is this that I read, do you, do you see that as being plausible? That all of this could happen right now? Especially given the current trajectory prophetically? Would you agree with me that not only is this highly implausible, actually the opposite is true in the sense that not only will that not happen, but what will happen will continue to get worse seemingly with each passing day? Let's just take one, the supply chain. Make no mistake about it, those shelves in the store, 
they're going to get emptier and emptier in the days ahead, and even now are. Do you know why? Because they want to dismantle and destroy the global economy to usher in a digital cashless system, exactly like we're told in the book of Revelation. Right on schedule to be fulfilled in the seven-year tribulation. It's right on schedule. So there's a controlled demolition. I use those words deliberately and for good reason, and some of you know why, by the way, and I'm thankful for that. But it's a controlled demolition of the global economies and the global governments to bring in a one-world economy and a one-world government under the control of the Antichrist, who's already alive and well on the scene. So now, if we're being reasonable, we're being reasonable, right? (laughs) You're supposed to say, yes, we're very reasonable. (laughs) I'm working on the levity here. I obviously, this is very somber, I realize, and sobering, and needs to be. But I want to ask another question, and please hear my heart, and the Lord knows my heart, but other than loved ones getting saved, why would anyone want to keep this world on life support? Especially for, pardon me, the believer in and follower of Jesus Christ. You know that we've long overstayed our welcome in this world, not our home, right? Here's another question. I have a lot of questions, I guess, today. So, And please know, when I ask these questions, I ask myself these questions as well. So this question is, shouldn't there be an excitement and an anticipation of that trumpet sounding and the dead in Christ rising first and we who are alive and remain being caught up to meet the Lord in the air and forever be with the Lord. Shouldn't there be this hope in the truth that Jesus is going to catch us away and take us to the place He told us He's preparing for us? John's Gospel, chapter 14. We quote it often, don't we? When Jesus says to His disciples, I go to prepare a place for you. I have to go, and by the way, you want me to go. (laughs) And they were freaking out because they're not going to have Jesus with them anymore. And that's why Jesus tries to encourage them and comfort them and say, if I go, then I can send you the Holy Spirit. So you won't just have God with you, now you're going to have God in you. (laughs) Where do I sign for that? That's perfect. You know, one thing, just parenthetically, let me throw in here, because I I think it'll maybe be an encouragement to you. I know it is to me, but you know, we always marvel at the 
disciples and those who were alive when Jesus was here in His public ministry. Wow, what, a, what would that have been like? And we even take it further and say, you know, I can't wait to meet them when we get to heaven. Man, I can't wait to meet the Apostle Paul. And I can't. I got a whole list. I'm sure you do too. Paul's right there at the top. David, Jeremiah, I mean Mike, Elijah. I really want to meet Elijah, especially Elijah. Noah, I want to meet no Abraham. I mean the list just goes on and on. I really want to meet Esther, by the way. Oh, wow. Mordecai, dude. <laughs> I mean, wow. Have you ever thought to yourself that they would want to meet you? Let's just talk about the disciples. Let's actually, let's talk about one specific disciple, Thomas, who gets a lot of bad press. I think a lot of people are going to owe Thomas an apology when they get to heaven. Peter is going to be right behind him too. <laughs> I mean, what's this doubting Thomas? Really? You know what Jesus said to him, right? You're blessed because you see and believe but how much more are those going to be that believe, but don't see what I'm showing you, and you see? That's awesome. They had Jesus right there, not us. I mean, I just wonder, I, just stay with me on this. I think they're thinking, I can't wait to meet them because they didn't have Jesus. <laughs> they weren't there with Jesus, and yet they did not see what we saw, and they believed. So back to this question of excitement and anticipation. In Jesus coming to take us to that place that He prepared for us, in his father's house, which by the way is a bridal chamber, <laughs> where the bridegroom would go and prepare the place for his bride, this bridal chamber where they would consummate and celebrate their marriage together for a period of seven, and at the end of the seven they would emerge from this bridal chamber having consummated and celebrated their marriage together, and they would have a huge feast known as the wedding feast of the Lamb at the end of the seven. So when Jesus is saying this to the disciples that I'm going to prepare, they, they would have gotten that. They would have connected those dots. And they would have been greatly encouraged by that, even though they were very unsettled, knowing that he had to go, that he was going to go to the cross. But he was going to go to prepare a place for them, for us, that where he is there we may be also, and if it were not true, he would not have told us that he goes to prepare a place for us. So here's the thing, He's coming back to take us to that place that He's been preparing for us. Wow, can't wait. <laughs> Neither can He, by the way. What do you mean? 
Oh, every time we partake together of the communion table and are in Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, he says it no less than two times. I fervently desire to partake with you when this finds its fulfillment in my kingdom. You know what he's referring to? The wedding feast of the Lamb. When what they were doing there in that upper room, celebrating the Passover, we affectionately refer to it as the Last Supper, because that's what it was. It was the last time, the last supper, the last Passover celebration. And Jesus said, this is the last time I'm going to eat with you. But here's the thing, you guys. (laughs) The next time I eat with you, it's going to be in my kingdom. Just try and get your mind around that. We are going to sit with Him as His bride by His side at the wedding feast of the Lamb. Wow. But we want to stay down here? We don't want that up there? We're not excited about that up there? How is that possible? The only explanation is the roots of one's Christian life are dug down too deep in the temporal soil of this world. When we get to our study in Hebrews today, second service, we're going to talk a little bit about death to self. You'd be hard-pressed today to find a church that teaches the true gospel, the Word of God, the whole counsel of God, which includes picking up one's cross and denying oneself. I don't want to do that. Dying to self? I don't want that. Well, Jesus said, unless you do that, you are not my disciple. You want to be my disciple? Yes. Then you need to pick up your cross daily. You know the thing about daily? It's daily. It's every day. And follow Him. One more thing on this, and we'll try to bring it in for a close here. Death brings grief. And I know that many of us know a thing or two about grief and sorrow at the death of a loved one. We still grieve, even though we don't grieve as those without hope. But have you ever thought about it as a grieving of death to your life in this world? How about grieving the death of a nation, grieving the death of a lifestyle, grieving the death of, and I'll let you fill in the blank, and with the help of the Holy Spirit you'll have no shortage of (laughs) things to fill in those blanks. This last week I 
I know I am probably very morose, but if I try to not be, it will be manufactured. It won't be genuine. I, I just, I'm, I'm grieving. I really am. I mean, it's over. The world is dying. The world is passing away. And it is a process of grieving. You know, when our daughter Noel died, we knew that she was dying. And we had to come to terms with that. And it was a process of grieving. And really the hardest thing was just letting her go. And that's usually the hardest thing when it comes to grief, isn't it? Letting them go. Many years ago on the mainland, I, dear friends of mine, he came to Christ and um, I had the privilege of being a part of his life and he was part of my Bible study that I was teaching at the time in the business community and and he ended up getting cancer and and uh, going home to be with the Lord, but not before his wife came to Christ. And the way it happened was so powerful. So we had been praying for her salvation for years. And she was a pretty staunch Mormon and, you know, just kind of closed off to the gospel. And she was very supportive of Cecil and his love for the Lord. and So here he is. He's not lucid at the time. He's kind of in and out. You know how that is towards the end. And for those of you that have been at the bedside of a, someone who's dying, and you know, they're kind of in and out of consciousness. And so we're sitting there, and I just have this strong sense from the Holy Spirit that he wouldn't go home to be with the Lord until he knew that she had come to the Lord. And that sense was followed up by this still small voice of the Holy Spirit. You know how that is. You can't get away from it. It was like the Lord saying, you need to share that with her. It's like, no. (laughs) So I did. I just said, you know what? I said, I don't think he has permission to go to be with the Lord yet until you come to a saving knowledge, a true saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. (sighs) And she just broke down and she wept. And she poured her heart out and gave her life to Christ. Instantly he was lucid. Up to that point he was not lucid at all. And then we prayed, and he said, yes, and he died right then. You've been listening to a Prophecy Update with Pastor J.D. Farag on In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to Study the Word of God. As you continue to learn about the things that are happening all around us and how that relates to the Bible, take some time to pray for this nation and for the world as a whole. 
How all the details will play out is still unknown, but God treasures the prayers that are offered on behalf of His people and the world around them. Continue to delve deep into God's Word on your own and gain some useful insight about these things in addition to what you hear from Pastor J.D. Are there some things that you heard today that really touched home in your heart that you'd appreciate some prayer over? We'd be honored to pray for you. Let us know what those requests are by going to jdfarag.org and then fill out the form under contact. Once again, that website is jdfarag.org. You can also find us on social media. You'll find links to Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube on our website. And we encourage you to follow them so you can stay up to date with all that's happening at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe and in spirit and truth. If you're wanting to access these things on the go, we have a mobile app that's available for iPhone and Android users. Just look under the resources tab. That's all we have time for today, but thanks for joining us. We look forward to our next edition where you'll get the opportunity to hear more insightful things about the days that we're living in and how that intersects with what's been predicted in the Bible. Join us again here on In Spirit and Truth.